Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of funny. You look back and you're like, oh, well, Disney got Star Wars for only $4 billion. Like, <laughs> what, a, what deal. a deal, right? They're sure milking that one. To the ground. Yes. I saw the uh, season one of Boba Fett explained in 60 seconds. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to watch it now. I, I enjoyed that one. I mean, it was it was better. It was kind of like they didn't really know where they were going to go with a lot of stuff. But then they wrapped up nicely in the end. But it almost feels more like it was a, a long trailer for Mandalorian season three. And that's why I'll give you spoilers. It's just it feels like that. Now, yeah. that being said, sure. Peacemaker. Mwah. Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Dude, and episode eight. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was great, dude. And this is like, dude, he thinks I fucked fish. I'm like, you do, don't you? Fuck you, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> that was great so go james yeah. gunn yeah and that's why he's leaving marvel because he can go to dc and do whatever the fuck he wants and they're just like oh fun like it's funny because you know, that's been the big problem with the dceu is that warner brothers always gets way too involved like no 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 we need to do this with james gunn they're like dude you made guardians of the galaxy like go just go have fun we're not going to say anything and then look what you do you make successful shit weird how that that works out when the suits get out of the way the creatives can actually make good stuff well i also think you're going to start the right seeing... creatives yeah the mm-hmm. right creatives well the other thing i think that um Wonder Brothers, I think, hopefully figures out and does well that I think is now going to start being a hindrance on Marvel is stop stopping trying to make everything into a epic cinematic universe. I think that I think that the cinematic universe, in my opinion, is close to dead. Like I think trying to shoehorn every movie that comes out into the same sort of overarching thing, I think is going to become I mean, we've seen in comics where that yeah, that long history is, is too cumbersome and you can't it, it fall it create caves in under its own weight. And with Mar right. or Wonder Brothers just doing, you know, a one-off here and a one off there and not having them necessarily associate with each other they can make better films they do and what's interesting if you look at um for just pure uh, roi is the most successful superhero movie today is joker mm, okay based on based on the cost yeah 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 for the roi the return on yeah. investment is joker made a billion bucks but cost them 50 million to make yeah so or something just, right. yeah it was cheap it was it was cheap so the accountants for joker went yeah let's just do a bunch of those yeah but uh, um, with, with the cinematic universe the challenge with a uh, I, I'm a fan of a non-cinematic universe to a point. I do like the idea of things being generally connected, but having a universe so much of the overall story is the overarching drive. So everything is so linear within it. And if you haven't watched the one before the next one after, it takes out the impact of any given film. Mm-hmm. Especially when you know it's like, oh, because of this universe, you have its own thing. The film itself doesn't matter. It's kind of like when you read Harry Potter's done and you're reading book three of Harry Potter. It's like, oh, is Harry going to make it? I'm like, his name's in the title. <laughs> Harry's fine. There's five more books mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. And when you have stuff much loosely connected, it allows stakes to matter again. When everything is too connected in game for the masterpiece that it is, mm-hmm. had stakes and had endings, but how many other movies didn't to allow for that to occur? Mm-hmm. And that's the um, challenge there. So can they all be like, oh, I know about you, but we're really going to do our own thing and I'm not going to take it too seriously. I mean, I think a great part in and of itself is kind of like the James Bond because you have different actors generally 
inner and they like the Daniel Craig era and they shoehorned it being as interconnected as it was mm-hmm. near the end. But with this new guy, are they going to start over? Are they going to do something different? Nothing that Daniel Craig's character did is going to matter for the next James Bond. They're just going to ignore it. Well, and because the they're... conceit stays same, but who cares about Vesper? Yeah, they're not going to care about Vesper. Vesper doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Vesper was all that mattered in the Daniel Craig. That was the overarching thing that they tried yeah. to carry. To it. So the great thing is we're going to reboot this. It's the tropes you know. It's everything you love about what James Bond is. And every time we bring in a new guy, it's a new James Bond. We just get a reset the sandbox and kind of do the sandbox again. And we might reset the sandbox for each film. It might is it pulpy enough and episodic enough that things reset at the end of each story? Well, it doesn't matter. There was a theory that I had heard once that I kind of liked was that the the idea was is the 007 James Bond was a job title, not an individual. So that all these different actors who portray that they were raised as different people, but they have taken on the mantle of James Bond. And so therefore they go by that name and they go by that number. Oh, James and the Bond is just as much a mantle as 007. Yeah, exactly. So like that, yeah, it's, it's, it's sure. the code. James Bond is part of the code name of 007. So therefore, you know, and that's how you can argue the existence of Q and M. Yeah, exactly. Line. Yeah. And actually it wasn't, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Dame Judi Dench playing M, didn't that start in the Pierce Brosnan era? Yes. It was carried yeah. over into yeah. right. one. Okay. Well, right. and, and the Q for a long fucking time was the same actor. Yeah. They right. Q and M. Yeah, we're the same. We're like one of the few holdovers. Was as James Bond's changed, Q stayed the same and whatnot. Yeah, and, and the funny is, I I watched every James Bond. I haven't in the same year before the what Spectre came out. Oh, that's rough. Spectre was not. I I got upset no. with Spectre. It and here's the thing: opening the um, the first ten minutes were wonderful, and the rest of the movie was yeah. Dude, what, Skyfall was great. Spectre was a turd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing was, the Spectre was trying to tie in every James Bond story, and having seen yeah. every James Bond story. Oh my god. And there is I know they're well loved and I know that like they, I don't know if they do it anymore but I remember like the TBS marathons was always a great thing cuz you get to watch, you know, some stuff on there. There is some shitty James Bond. Like Dude, the every, Roger Moore era is pretty rough. Oh, it's it's super rough, but there's some bad ones with uh Connery. Connery Connery has some bad ones. Um the guy who only did one, um Timothy Dalton. No, no, Timothy Dalton did no, two. No, he did multiple. No, oh, he did. This was, uh, yeah, he did uh, Living Daylight oh, and George Lazenby. George Lazenby. Yeah, Lazenby. Lazenby. His is wild because he fucking gets married at the end of it, and then the wife gets killed five seconds later. They're driving away from the wedding, and the car gets shot up, and his new wife dies, and then he, he they just basically drop it from there. Well, that's what I got Austin right. Powers from too. But I will say the one thing I love best about the TBS run of the James Bond movies is the first one when you have Kitty Galore for the end. Mm-hmm. For TV version, that's always my favorite one. It was Kitty so. Galore instead of Pussy Galore. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just making it up. <laughs> no, no, no. Pussy Galore was the character name. Yeah, Octopussy is the name of the film. No, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying for yeah. TV, it's Kitty Galore. So right. Yeah, but I mean, it gets the point across. It does. We stepped all so, over I mean, your joke. It was funny until we tried to correct you and we we fucked it up for you. And I'm sorry. It's because I missed half the last episode because I was <laughs> talking to my boss. <laughs> I'm trying to make up for the jokes. I the, the jokes that would have fallen flat then can now fall flat now. So. Okay. All right. Well, things we do. For money, we don't do this for money. Come on, salary. No, no, no. Him talking that. to his boss is about um, money. Got it. It was actually yes. So yeah. Thanks. Well, hey, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater <laughs> Podcast. We are continuing 
with Lena's favorite month of the year, Sword and Sorcery. She loves it so much. We're going to do it every year from here on out. And she's going to pick all the books because she loves all of them so much. I will Adam had the idea every March. And not only that, isn't March supposed to be like Women's Month? You're torturing the only woman on this show with this BS. Yeah, but next month is all about you, though. It's true, true. Yeah. Next, yeah. next, next year we'll do True Crime Month for Women's Month for just for yes. You. See, that's way better. Yeah. <laughs> That might have to become our new thing, March is True Crime Month. Uh, anyway, we have our uh, our normal group here. We got Todd, we got Lena, we got Adam, we got me, I am Brian. Hey, how are you? Um, so yeah, so Once in Future is um, a story of one of the most kick-ass grandmas you've ever come across. Yes. Um, who uh, and, 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 a kid who, and, and a guy who figures out that he may actually be uh, part of something much greater than himself. And uh, basically, it's a it's zombie King Arthur's come to wreak havoc on an alternate plane as well as this one. Um, and uh, and craziness ensues. Uh, but we will get into all that. This is written by uh, Karen Gillian, uh, who we love his Wicked and Divine. We put up with his phonogram, um, but have we also love loved Dr. Afra. Dr. Afra, we, we love Darth Vader. Most mm-hmm. of his other stuff we've loved. Um, um, and then we have uh, Dan Mora and Tamara Bonvillain. I don't know if that's actually how it looks like it's spelled Pam Bonville. Huh? Her name is Pam Roth. Yeah, but I'm more interested in the Bonvillain is what it looks like. B-O-N-V-I-L-L-A-I-N. Yeah, is that how we got but, it, Bonvillain. but it's Tamra, not Tamara. Okay, Tamra. Is that there how we got go. on the whole James Bond tangent? Not even remotely close, okay. but we'll say that we did. Um, <laughs> if if that rant even ended that. up in the book. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it ended up in the recording or not. Who knows? Who knows where I edited it this year? Um, Shadow knows. Yes, it's true. Um, so, Mr. Adam, what is your drinking game? Or not your drinking game. What is your cocktail for this week? So I'm really hoping people will put two and two together because I named this drink the African Swallow. <laughs> <laughs> Supposed to hold it by the husk. And this is why it gets better is because it's filled with coconut. So, oh, my God. So you're going to take a chilled martini glass. You're going <laughs> to rim it in orange juice. And then you're going to run it through, uh, like, the desiccated coconut flakes that you do for, like, macaroons mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, you're going to take a blender. You're going to add eight ice cubes, three ounces of coconut milk, two ounces of orange juice, uh, and two ounces of coconut rum. You blend until it's nice and, you know, like, uh, blended Froth. and frothy. Frothy. Thank you. Frothy, like a smoothie status. And then you pour it into to the uh, martini glass and you garnish with some more of the coconut flakes. Did you hear that? Elena and I both said frothy because we were on the same wavelength. It can happen. So yeah, that was like me and uh, me and Brian last episode. Yeah, true. <laughs> but Elena and Todd on the same wavelength, it has happened at least once. <laughs> it won't happen again. <laughs> Not this episode at least. <laughs> okay. Well, Elena, what is your drinking game rule for this week? Huh? What? <laughs> um, every time, what is the main character's name? What is his name? Duncan. Duncan. Every time Duncan just looks very like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand. He just looks very confused, flabbergasted, shock, awe. Uh, take a drink. Small sips, especially at the beginning. So we could call he... this the, the Lena drink, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, I'm going to jump in on mine. Mine is similar yeah. and associated and normally follows up Lena's. Mine's going to be called the No Shit Sherlock. Um, and that is every time Grandma state something that is fantastical as if it was always a fact and he's a moron for even thinking it wasn't take a drink also take it in small sips mr todd know your role i mean that's from the rock right yeah but know your role it's um every time there's a character going who are they like oh they're the galahad oh you're this character oh you're playing this role Mm -hmm. you gotta go take a drink Uh uh-huh we're all gonna get sloppy yeah very sloppy (laughs) mr adam
Adam. So y'all kind of took my drink, but I, I did uh, change it up a bit with, oh, isn't that special, dear? So it's not every time that she talks down to Duncan, but every time she goes, calls him honey or dear or sweetie or some like little <laughs> pet name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically every she time- She does you- seem very fond of Duncan. Yes, she yes. is until she shoots his ear. Uh, so basically every single time you, you do Brian's game, you're also going to do mine. So again, also small, small sense yeah. for both of ours because they go, they coincide very much. So. Yeah. All right. So this character of Duncan, when I read this the first time and even more so this time again here is the movie Love Actually. Okay. Is you've got the love interest of, what was the American's name? She was in love with the guy, but she had the disabled brother. Oh, it's a uh, guy. Laura Linney is the actress. Yes. Laura Linney's person who she had a crush on. Uh-huh. Oh, that guy. Looks um, like Duncan. Is it Tom? It could be Tom. Or so I was like, how long have you been in love with him? Like three seconds after I saw him for the yeah. last four years. Yeah. Tom. That is not him. What's his name? First off, Duncan is a redhead, and the guy you're talking about Tom's is like tall, dark, and handsome. True. He's he is much tall, dark, tanner. and handsome. Oh, he's fine. tall and handsome. I wouldn't call him dark. He's a ginger. He is Gingers, a ginger. by definition, are not dark. <laughs> Uh, there you go. But that's who I was referencing. Yeah. Because when they go out in the sun, though, they're red so well. <laughs> when they go in the sun, though, their freckles connect. So oh there you gosh. go. And they transform into Mecha Ginger. And that's their Super Saiyan mode. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking up that, that actor. Who the fuck that guy is? <laughs> Carl. His name is Carl. Carl. Yeah. Carl. I love Sorry. Carl. But Duncan. But I, I get reminiscence of because he's got that opening date where he is like charming, but at the same time, you've got this extreme fit guy that's a bit of a doofus and I always saw Carl as a bit of a doofus going uh, I'm just here I thought See, I, was I saw him more as a Ted Mosby well. um, I got the Ted Mosby vibe Ted. as well yeah uh, here's the thing about him and I will I'm say I'm not a fan of Ted well neither am I everything with Brian always comes back to this fucking show um <laughs> Really, the office. No, um, How I Met Your Mother mm-hmm. or Dawson's Creek. I will admit, one of those yes. three. It almost always. Well, because I that. just got the text from you about Dawson's Creek. I know, isn't amazing? <laughs> so yeah, so I okay. This is total side note, way tangent, but um, so I had to uh, to book an appointment to have a, a suit measuring fitting um for this wedding we're going to in in Paris Woo-hoo. because it is bougie as fuck. Um, and uh, because everything with Christopher is bougie as fuck. What's part of the reason That's why right. we love him? Uh, but um, yeah. but you could set um, when I was putting it on my Google Calendar, you could set what time the appointment was going to be, and I was going to be living in Utah at the time, so I was trying to do it in Mountain Standard Time, <clears throat> and it has all the different locations for the Mountain Standard Time in like you know Denver or whatever. It literally said Mountain Standard Time, Dawson Creek, and I was like, the fuck, where is that? So of course <laughs> that's the time zone I picked. So from here on out, I I live in Dawson. I will be living in uh, Dawson Creek time zone. So oh my god, um, and you just don't want to wait for your life be over so yeah <laughs> which sure. by the way they changed they the, brought it back, brought the, the intro song back. back yeah and when i realized it, it well because i have the i i think tori has them now or maybe my, they're at my mm. parents but i have the discs mm-hmm. where only season one and the finale dvd have the original um theme song and then mm-hmm. it then seasons two through six have this weird like it's not great it's, it's a terrible song horrible yeah. god it was so bad um, and now uh, I don't know if they finally got Paula Cole to say yes or that they're going to pay her or if she finally realized that the only reason the song was really that popular was because of Dawson's Creek. I don't or, know. Or why she was popular. So yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it was like as soon as it showed up on 
uh, HBO Max because it wasn't fixed when it got to Netflix. Mm-hmm. As soon as it got onto HBO Max, maybe HBO is like, we're not doing this bullshit anymore. Mm-hmm. We're just going to pay you. Um, the original theme song came back to Dawson's Creek and I freaked out and texted Brian um, immediately. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because I was like, in all caps, very excited that the original theme song for Dawson's Creek was back on the show. Well, with that, and it's a tie into Taylor Swift, you know how Taylor Swift's re-recording her albums and calling it Taylor's version? Yeah. Because Paula Cole doesn't own the publishing rights to that theme song. Mm-hmm. So what happened was, is the time limit for those publishing rights for Paula to re-record it lapsed. So when you're watching the HBO show and it's the theme song again, she sang the song again and it's a new recording. It's not the original recording. Oh, I had to do it again. No, that's actually more common than you would expect. If you yeah. see um, a song that says like remastered version, mm-hmm. typically that means it was re-recorded so that they could get the recording mm-hmm. rights for it. Right, um, because the publisher, original yeah. publisher ownership is still saying, I want all this money. Well, it's also and a difference Paula. between the mechanical yeah. rights and then the actual right. songwriting rights. So mm-hmm. um, if you have like, say, a popular song that was written by someone else, but your mm-hmm. version is very popular and you only have mechanical rights, mechanical rights expire faster than the publishing rights. And so therefore, that's why you have stuff that's re-recorded. The interesting thing is that um, for, and this is way inside baseball, and I may have to no, cut no, this it's out. Great. Yeah, but um, for you the- You won't be working there anymore. So I won't be working <laughs> there anymore. But so I talked to the music director of, uh, and sort of confirmed this on the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which used to be Tower of Terror, right? But on the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, the BGM out front was playing songs from the Guardians of the Galaxy what soundtrack. What does BGM mean? Oh, background music. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, the, the, the background music, the you know, it, which sounds like the soundtrack, it's songs from the soundtrack of the movie as you walk in. Those are actually all re-recorded versions of the song and then, you know, mastered to sound identical to the original because part of that same whole thing of, of the recording rights to get those things. Um, where the fuck were we? Lena, all right. what did you hate? Okay. <laughs> you, yeah, you hate fantasy books. What's your hate about this book? Um, so, Gran, I loved her. She's amazing. Uh, yes. I did. I also love the fact that um, at the beginning, you just see her, you just see him and he's like, um, sorry. And she's like, like when I said whatever wine you'd like, I didn't mean cover me with it. And I yeah. just thought that was funny. So it is, it, I did like it, although I did think it was funny as soon as she realized that the call that he was getting was for his his grandmother mm-hmm. and everything that she was like, oh my God. Oh, no, no, yeah. no, it's okay. Like, yeah. So it was interesting to see the flip um, with her, but the, my, so the first page that I bookmarked, bookmarked was page 17. Mm-hmm. And it was when she's out in the middle of the woods and she finds her, uh, her, her armory. Yeah. yeah. And the look on Duncan's face. When Grand's like, ah, oh, good, nothing's gone missing. <laughs> Just, it made me chuckle. Um, Especially since there's like then, a rocket launcher in there. I yeah, know. the, the steak oh launcher. God. He's like, what was this for? She's like, I used to use it to hunt vampires. He's like, you used to? She's like, I ran out of vampires. <laughs> 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 Wait, that was the, but then um, she was talking about shooting and he was like, I've never shot anything before. And this is on page 43. And she goes, yes, because you're a good boy. Don't worry. It's easy. Safety off, point dead, nothing to it. (laughs) 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 It 
like she was my favorite part of this. Um, I thought it was interesting the fact that it was a king. It was King Arthur, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and and everything that made me that that definitely got me in in you know intrigued with the with the story. Um, still not the biggest fan of fantasy, but this was definitely more up my alley. It was kind mm-hmm. of like um, and I know I've brought it up before because it's such a bad movie, but I love it. Dracula two thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because it's the same kind of thing where it's like it's kind of a story that you think you know because she's talking about vampires at the beginning, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then you find out that you know Dracula was Judas, and you know if you haven't mm-hmm. seen the movie, it came out in the nineties. I, I don't care if I spoiled it for you. Anyway, um, and I just always thought that was such an interesting premise, and so this being something that was um, a story that people have heard before and kind of know the the premise of with with King Arthur and Lancelot and everything. Um, I just thought it was really, really interesting. Um, with that said, I did, it, it did kind of drag for me a little bit. And I think it's just because I'm not a fantasy person. I just don't get into it. I just wanted more banter between <laughs> Grant and Duncan. I just thought she was wonderful. Everything about her was wonderful. Even when she, like, I did like the fact that when he goes in with the sword, I think it was with Excalibur, mm-hmm. to go after um king arthur to get his belt to like heal her and he's like mm-hmm. she's shot everything else so of course she'd shoot herself or <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so there was some really good dialogue there were some really i mean i did chuckle through most through a lot of the book um and i did like the fact that she's like we need somebody and he's like well the person that i was just on a date with <laughs> i'm yeah. like i don't know if you want to go find her like yeah. it seems kind of not a great idea um um, so, you know, I, I really did enjoy, I did like the fact that every time he was like Excalibur, his grandmother's like, oh, Duncan, yeah. no. <laughs> Honey. Honey, sweetie. Yeah. Just because it's a sword and a stone does not mean that it's Excalibur. It's just a sword. Yeah. yeah just like, let's just stick with the sword and the stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just, like it was, um, I did really like the fact that she just like, she doesn't talk to him, like trying to explain everything, like right mm-hmm. off the bat, she makes yeah. him, she let she just like basically drags him along and he figures it out as they kind of go mm-hmm. type of thing. So um I I'll say this much. I liked this a lot more than phonogram. <laughs> <laughs> I like this a lot more than phonogram, okay. which is interesting because I am very much a music person. Yeah. And, but I am not a big fan of hipster pretentiousness. Yeah. That's the thing is it's phonogram was very much about hipster pretentiousness more than it was about music. So, um, and this, I, you know, I think that if I had really like, if, if we weren't doing, um, the recording the way we, we are these, these, this week and everything, or these last two weeks, and I'd given this book more of a like time to read and, and digest and everything, I may have probably liked it a little bit more. I didn't didn't hate it though mm-hmm. um it's fantasy but it's fantasy in the right side of fantasy that mm-hmm. i like which yeah, is like closer to that harry potter where it's a fantasy that's- urban fantasy is your jam yeah it's more it's all i think that's the reason jam. i liked this too is there's a bit of a, a history and they're british mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. which might also be something about it as yeah well. um which also with harry potter mm-hmm. so um but yeah i think that may have had something to do do with it too where it's like i know the premise of kind of what's going on but it's it's not zombies per se 
way. I mean, I guess they kind of are, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, yeah, I just, I thought it was a lot more interesting than the other stuff we read this month, especially last week. Didn't Mm -hmm. like those. Um, and there was no gratuitous nudity. So, hey. Well, I mean, because he's a virgin, which is also kind of funny, too. That's well, isn't that right. the whole part of, like, horror movie stuff, too? That's, That's true, how yeah. you live. Yeah. Like, we have to go back and, and listen to Randy's rules. Because mm-hmm. that's his whole rule thing. Mm-hmm. It's like He's not wrong. No. Also, speaking of which, the, the new Scream is a lot of fun. I think we talked about it before, but mm. it's it's really cool. So I haven't watched it yet. I have to, though. Scream 2 is my favorite. Mr. Adam, what are your thoughts? So, uh, in case anyone didn't know, I love the King Arthur mythology. Um, I obviously Monty Python, the Holy Grail, was very formative as far as my sense of humor goes. Uh, Clark's got this board game I play. I've got a board game I play called Tainted Grail, where you're you know exploring the the land of Arthurian legend and all this crazy shit happens. Uh, you said taint. Taint. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm childish. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Green Knight was a pretentious piece of shit, and I hated it, uh, which I expected because the same guy who did Ghost Story, and that's a pretentious piece of shit as well. So I, I went in knowing this is King Arthur, so I was like, okay, I'm already kind of biased because I like it, and also because Karen Gillan did it, and I'm also biased because I like him. And then all of a sudden we get this, you know, really smarmy old lady, and I love smarmy old ladies. I blame my parents for letting me watch the first round of Golden Girls when I was a kid. <laughs> it's uh, wonderful. It is. And it was really forward-thinking as far as how it handled tons and tons. It was like, you know, you look at uh, All in the Family, the way they handled things, it was more of like a palatable All in the Family. Like, you know, the very first episode, they got a gay butler mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but no, so I, I, I went in hoping to like this, and I walked out loving it. Uh, this has been probably my favorite thing we've read this month and probably in a long while too. Uh, it's just, it's fun. It's cool. It's funny. Uh, you weren't lying, Tob, and you said the grandma's like the John Wick of grandmas. She's just such a badass, but she's also mm-hmm. a smart ass at the same time. So you're just, you're just going along and they're killing things. And then they remember when they killed the, uh, they come uh, out of like the realm where like the grail was supposed to be or whatever. And the guards get killed by the zombie uh, Arthurian knight. And she's like, now I know you two want to probably start doing some screaming right now, but we really need to get to the castle. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, they're going, they're going from there to the castle to get the grail. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so much fun. She's like, he's, you know, the one scene where she's like, hey, kneel down. He's like, what are you going to knight me? She's like, no, I need your shoulder for the sniper rifle. <laughs> I just want to be your friend and not get shot in the ear by her. But yeah, it's it's the best parts of Kieran Gillen when he's he's on fire and he's writing with stuff that you could tell he's passionate about because maybe he was passionate about music and phonogram, but also being one of his first books, he probably still had to learn a lot. But you can yeah. tell when someone's like, this is a cool idea. I'm going with this. I know where I'm going with this. I have a final destination of where I need to take this and how I'm setting it up. And it was fun to see, like, let's take the Arthurian legend and turn it on its ear. Like, here's let's make Arthur the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, just because he came once and, you know, saved the Britons. Well, maybe he did it in a bad way you know, mm-hmm. we don't know what happened with that and because actually like oh everyone cares so much about the swords like i want the scabbard that's the more important piece and there's yeah. a reason for it um it was just thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable it was one of those ones where you know, i'm reading i'm reading i'm reading and sometimes you're like oh my god like you clicked to be like okay i've got 20 pages left thank god this mm-hmm. is the one where it gets the last issue and i'm like oh i finished it oh shit well i guess i i, I should go buy buy some more because i want to keep on going and see where this goes so uh it, it's fantastic it's everything i want in the comic uh it goes and does what Lena likes where you've got the, the the real world and then you've got the veneer which is over what actually is going on and I, I'm in the same boat Lena I really like that kind of stuff too where you don't really like think of the movie Blade it's like oh well you think you're at a nightclub but it's actually like vampires and like all mm-hmm. this crazy shit because you don't you don't want to see what's going on because you would fuck up how you live your life and what you think you know reality is and I, I always find those things enjoyable so I really can't say enough good things about it I, I want to go read more and again this proves why Karen Gillan's one of my favorite authors so and the arts <laughs> 
fantastic too. Like the, I, art, the art is great. You know, the art Todd's, is great. Todd, Todd's the artist guy, but it's it was just gory, but it wasn't like ew, like the last one with Hellheim, where it's like that's kind of gross. It's like oh, that's gross, but that's fuck cool. Like let's keep on going with it. So well, yeah. Also, I think um, even just on that level, yes, there's some action, there's some gore, but also the the facial expressions and the characterization of of these people as they're having conversations is realistic, which I think helps. Um, one of those moments where I, see, I think is very interesting and I kind of like is when um, you spoiler alert uh, Arthur and uh, all of a sudden you go oh yeah Guinevere she laid with a French guy and he's like what the fuck like yeah, yeah. this yeah. zombie gets all <laughs> pissed because he finds out his wife is going to cheat on him because that's the way the story is and that's how fate works on this and uh, there's just some like making a zombie have like that sort of shocked reaction that does take something both in writing but also in the art and I think that like that sort of is a an earmarking of where this book I think really shines and I think it shines in a lot of places I really like it and okay, you, also, you do also get the, the true like hero's journey with with Duncan yeah he goes absolutely the, the, like scared boy and like all this stuff and then at the end he's like no I, I, I can get Excalibur I can go out there and I can be the hero and then mm-hmm. do the right thing and give Excalibur back so okay. it, it really does give him a good arc as far as where he grows so. sounds good Mr. Todd hey alright so I recommended this one as well um, when we thought it was four weeks instead of five <laughs> I, I wanted this to be the last book in the bunch because it ends on a fun note right and that's always the great way to go the um, I think with the conceit of this where Gran really puts up the whole idea of this is there's the um, part of the Aetherian ledger legend is in Britain's darkest time you have King Arthur shall return but Gran says like I always hate prophecies that can go two ways mm-hmm. and is the return of King Arthur the reason for Britain's darkest time because King Arthur is back and he is the darkest time so it's um, how this goes I mean Kieran Gillen he's the creator of Triple Zero and BT the murder droids yes. how do you not love that so <laughs> you've got aspects of that coming through and i really think he's uh the the fun and mayhem of triple zero and bt is really showing through on grand with kieran and it's great dan mora's art is fantastic he did a lot of batman you can see why he did batman it mm-hmm. is here and yet it is um there's a brutality through to it and yet there is a uh, i'm gonna call it a gi jonas that it is terrible it is awful but it's not uh, explicit in triple zero with that being said is it's playing on all the things we think we know because the great thing about king arthur is between sword in the stone with disney and a bunch of other retellings of it and monty python and the holy grail and everything else we all have a general idea of character names so he plays well upon the character names and his story is going and there's about a fourth trade about to come out while we record this is like oh here's the story and grant is like well that's the story you thought you knew this is actually how it's going along so the exposition feels very natural and it going what you thought you knew was slightly wrong here's what's actually going on which is great because those that do know the story well is like oh that's a clever little twist and those that don't are filled in and still feel like oh yeah this kind of goes along with what i knew Mm -hmm. about king arthur i love king arthur shit and so with the title of once in future it's um not even saying i mean the title of the first book is king is undead um the third one is called like parliament of magpies and these stories are so great because it just keeps getting darker and more twisted and yet it is such a fun ride that you're going through this so this feels like a um in all the best kind of ways this is a great roland emmerich movie <laughs> okay as once in future <laughs> so i mean this is a great roland emmerich but the characters are filled with such personality the fact that they may or may not make sense 
doesn't even matter. Because you take a look at Independence Day and you just don't look too close at Will Smith. You don't look too close at the chaos guy or whatever. I'm going to give this alien computer a computer virus. And you're like, how does that even make any fucking sense? But you don't care because the personalities are enough. Everything is carrying it. And it's like, oh, this is a familiar story that I love. And he's going, oh, you love that? You're going to love this. And you do. Mm -hmm. And this is once in future. The art is great. The reactions are great. You have Duncan, who is this great cure clueless act. And you've got Granny going, I know I raised you this way because I didn't want you to know about this because your life could be better because not ignorance is bliss. Duncan is the embodiment of ignorance and is bliss. And yeah, he's now being exposed to it all. But even the questing beast, and she's like, dude, you'll figure it out. So she's treating him as a bit of a dod, but at the same time he's got other things going on that she's confident enough he's just not going to sit there and die. Mm -hmm. So she's got great confidence and affection for her grandkid that keeping him in the dark she was happy to do so for the happiness of his childhood but now that he is needed for his role in the story that is still unfolding so even then she might have been a bit of a dick but she is so charming you don't even care so that is the book is it's so charming even the other parts of it you don't even care because it's just too much fun cool yeah and that's it. awesome uh let's jump into grades uh mr adam uh i'm gonna go with an a i absolutely love this in case you couldn't hear how much i gushed about it earlier um uh, while we were doing this, I actually hopped on Countology, which is now Amazon. Like, it's literally on the Amazon website. <laughs> That's its uh, name. Yeah. But I went on there and I, I the, the next two trades are free. Uh, they're on Comicsology Unlimited. And then, of course, the fourth one comes out soon. This is one I definitely will this weekend when I'm not working. I will sit down and read the rest of them. Because like, I'm excited. I'm excited. And that's that's not something that happens very often. And even when it does, it's not one where I'll like, hey, I'm going to take time to sit down and actually do this. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely love that. I can't wait to read more. And that's the highest praise I can give something. Duncan's what? mom has got it going on. Okay. That's awkward. Um, no. Lena, your descent opinion um i'm actually gonna give it a b plus a minus ah, wow. so here's the thing i didn't hate it <clears throat> um okay. it's definitely not in it's definitely still not something that i'll continue to read because it's no giant days yeah no it's not and i'll be honest there are there really isn't a lot of um the comic books or anything that we've read that i've been like oh yeah i'll read the next one um there's really only been one and that's giant days giant <laughs> days got me hooked so much that I read the first seven um, volumes without even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it, Giant Days for me and my personality and what I like and the, and and being a character thing like character lover um, I, that will always be like top. And thank you, Brian, for always You're giving me those recommendations. <laughs> um, but I think the thing that saved this to, for me to give it a higher grade that I gave last week's because I did not like last week's. Um, really? Is really because I know, right? <laughs> if I didn't make it clear last week, let me reiterate, I did not like last week's uh, whatever the <laughs> Brides of Helheim or whatever. I mean, uh, I really I love Gran and I like Duncan and I think that the banter between the two of them and everything I think really made me not focus solely on the banter to see of it all and so that's why i'm giving it a higher grade than i think anyone was expecting cool uh mr todd 
you heard me gush. It's an A. Yeah. It's great. I love this thing. Yeah, and I'll go with an A as well. I really, really liked it. Um, I am just, you know, unfortunately reading down my to be read pile. So which I added to, so it's my own damn fault that I'm still reading down my to be read pile. But we are coming to Utah. I can increase your to be read file. There you I'm go. fine. I'm fine. I'll, I'll be okay. No. Uh, cool. So next week we are doing a book that we hadn't originally planned on, but I did the math wrong on how many days we were doing in March. So we are doing Brindle. Uh-huh. Is that right? Yeah, it's Brindle. Okay, Todd, quick description. I think it's a uh, young little fairy creature that jumps over a wall because of a big fire, hits her head, and has amnesia. So she's trying to figure out, what did I run away from? Okay. And there's a bunch of, think of like Gumby Bears with someone just chilling in there, bouncing from here to there and everywhere. Okay. That's not really fair. It is European. I want to also be clear. It's not even British European. It's translated from like French or Belgish or something. So it has a different um, pace and a different personality to it. You just read it's like, oh, this is like, there's something different about this. And the answer is, oh, this freaks of being a European comic. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. So it's a fantasy European comic. And it's not a British European. It's a mainland European comic. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, well, that will do it for this week. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And uh, we will see you next week for Brindle. And we will see you all later. Bye. Bye. I nearly Such messed that up. I had to like, go back and double check. Oh, <laughs>